You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments at this special time on a Wednesday at 1 o'clock. We're normally on Thursday nights at 7. So I welcome all new listeners today and those who followed us to this early afternoon show. And you're in for quite, quite a show tonight with my absolutely amazing, I'm so honored to be here with them guests tonight, um, and just story that will really, really affect you in many, many ways and inspire you in many, many ways as well. Um, I want to introduce my guests at first. I'm here with Joan Barnes and Michael Cofino from the most recent things that they've done, co-authors of the new book that just came out within the past month, uh, Play It Forward, from uh, Jimboree to Yoga. I'm sorry, I have to pronounce this correctly. From Jimboree to Yoga and Beyond. Um, and I promise you it is a book that will inspire you all, but most importantly, these two individuals that I have in the studio will are beyond inspiring as well. And my co-host, Allie Danini, and her mom, Lisa Danini, tonight. Um, now, to those of you listening, we are going to periodically be on Facebook Live, so you can comment and watch us live. And you can also call in if you'd like at 212-631-7553. Now, for those of you who are new with us tonight, and I promise you this will be quick because I know we want to get right to Joan and Michael and <laughs> we want to get off of me. But just to give you some introduction to what it is that Morph Mom Moments is and what it's all about and why it is such an honor that our guests are here today and how they fit into the overall the overall idea of exactly what Morph Mom is and what we try and do. Um, so basically, my name is Kathleen Smith. And again, welcome to all of you for joining us today. Uh, I started Morph Mom about four years ago. I was a former prosecutor, stopped, had kids. 14 years later, tried to go back, couldn't go back. What are you going to do? And I'm sure many of you out there listening are trying to, you know, have been through this, maybe going through this right now. And it's really a terrible feeling. Like, how do I start again? What am I good at? What do I like? And, you know, I've lost my connections. I've lost my confidence. And where to start? So I was in that boat um, years ago, and it was terrible. And after not being able to come through it myself, I figured, wait a second. Rather than reinventing the wheel, why am I not going out and speaking to women such as Joan tonight? who have done it, and whatever it may be, something that could help somebody, something inspiring that they could in turn pay forward, tell their journeys, tell their stories, tell the steps that they took, say things that didn't work. Because sometimes I think that's almost more important 
is learning that it's okay that people got through things that didn't work and there are steps you shouldn't take and it's okay to admit them out loud because it shouldn't be something that stops you it should be something that empowers you to get back up there again and keep going so that was sort of the genesis of Morph Mom. It is a website now, and that's morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And very soon, you will see Joan's video up there as well as 600 other videos of women around the country who were so kind and paid it forward to share their stories and steps they took and what they're doing. You can connect on Morph Mom as well if you join. Uh, all you have to do is sign up, and you will have access to other women on the site. You can ask them to friend you, and it's very private. It's all within the domain of Morph Mom. Since then, we found, now, now the internet was great for some, and watching the videos was enough for some, but there were some who needed a little bit more, a little bit human interaction, because sometimes the internet's not enough. So we started cocktail parties around the country, and I traveled to cities, um, and we'll be coming to a city near you, I'm sure, very soon. And very, also, there's an update on Morph Mom coming, where we'll be able to tell you what cities we're coming to, when we're coming, and if you have suggestions, still let me know, because I'm game for anything. But that's a way to actually connect people in person and hopefully make a lasting connection. There are also many, many Morph Mom stories on the Huffington Post. And uh, as of we have these classes now, again, you'll see all this on the website. But um, I think most importantly, especially today, is the radio show. And without further ado and without talking about Morph Mom anymore, I would like to hand it over to one of my most fa- favorite Morph Moms and most recent friend who I really feel like we're kinsmen. I don't know if she feels like this. Spears, but I do. Um, and Michael, and again, Allie, my co-host, and Lisa Danini, my co-host tonight. Um, and I can't thank you both enough for coming and for trusting me. And this was through a fellow uh, friend of mine from Holy Cross or Crusader, Michael, who I can't thank you enough, Mike Hines, for making this introduction. And for both of you, Michael and Joan, for accepting this introduction and coming in and, and sort of saying, okay, Kathleen, I'm coming on your crazy train. <laughs> let's, let's do this thing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm going to begin with Joan. And Joan, tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for having us, having Michael and me, uh, Kathleen, um, and hearing you, you know, articulate your story and your story of reinvention and your fear and um, worries about who you would be, you know, after um, that long career is just at the absolute bottom and the heart of what Play It Forward from Jimbery to the Yoga Mat and Beyond is all about. And, and it's what um, drove... Um, Michael and me to write our book um, because ultimately um, when Jimbery was growing and I was building that company um, I was in over my head and I you know while the company was growing and franchising and looking so positive and all this press was happening I'm finding myself on People Magazine and Fortune and Newsweek and and so forth and so on and, and, and getting venture capital money and, and your friend Mike Hines and all these great franchisees are building, I'm getting sicker and sicker and, and creating this huge eating disorder. And it never occurred to me that maybe I should go get a new career. And actually, at some event that we recently did, my daughter gave Michael that question to ask me, did I ever think about that? And while I thought about it, I was too frightened you know, a little bit like you did, like who would I be? What would I do? So I just thought I better just stick it out. So I was a casualty of not, um, not having done that. So I learned the hard way, you know, not to have done that reinvention at that point in my t- in my life. And let me back you up a little bit. What had you prior to founding Jimbree? <coughs> what had you done? What what um, what were your interests? Or was this something that you had thought about? Or how did it come to be? Well, Jimbree came, you know, just from that entrepreneurial 
thing. You know, I was a lonely, isolated mom in my mid-20s, having moved to California from, from New York, you know, thinking I was going to be a hippie and I was going to come out there and join the movement and it was the lowest birth year and I was just starved for for community. It's just kind of what you're doing here, Kathleen, with Morph Mom. And so um, just entrepreneurially started started Jimboree for myself. And when you say started Jimboree, now... I know the history of that, but will you explain to our listeners tonight exactly how, and especially for those of you out there, and by the way, Jimbery was a godsend for all of us when you were sitting at home thinking, what am I going to do today? Looking at these kids like, oh boy, and you think, oh, it's Jimbery Day today, we're getting out, I'm going to see other people. Um, tell me how it began, like your very first day you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I was lucky enough to have a job share, which may sound like no big deal now, because you know there's all kinds of different ways in which women work out in the workforce but in 1974 it was pretty unique <clears throat> to be able to get a job share so I was working at a Jewish community center and my my fellow job share person took all the Jewish program I took the secular programming so I started this thing there as a pilot calling it kinder gym <clears throat> and so I had the great opportunity to start this under the um, auspices of a nonprofit, and I convinced them to give me $3,000 to start this business, this this pilot, and it worked. And then I convinced them to start another one, and it worked. And then <clears throat> I was approached to do this as a commercial venture, and I thought, well, why not? The guy was going to put up the money, so we. but I didn't want to lose my $5,000 a year job. So we skipped down, you know, 30 miles to do it there. And then I did opened another one, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy this guy out. So I offered him $6,000 to buy him out. And somewhere between opening other locations, having another kid, I thought, I got a real business. So I left that, that pilot program and started building my own business. And then somewhere along the way, we changed the name from Kinder Jim to Jimboree and then started franchising. So it was just very organic, and that's one of the advices I give young women is do not think big grand plans, just small baby steps. And so starting this out, that very first day you walked in, it was never, it was sort of like, all right, let's see where it goes today. Well, I was smart enough to know that media is media is your friend. Now, again, this is all pre-social media. So we got a big feature story in the local paper and everybody like myself came out of the woodwork. So it was a big splash success from the first time. And we replicated that every time we went to a new city. We went to the to the local paper and got a big story and boom, people came out. That's what the days when people read the newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-Facebook, way pre-Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's crazy that, that now the kids would have it up in like 30 seconds. And I know. All over the place. But Maybe it would even be better now. <laughs> I, no, I think what's even incredibly impressive is that you were able to do that at a time when it wasn't instant. You were able to grow this organically from ground up without the benefits of, and Allie, who's sitting here with us tonight, is a recent college grad, um, what it was like pre this, this social media thing. It was it was hard. And Allie, do you hard. remember your Jimboree? I, I remember you were telling us that you were a Jimboree kid. I apparently was a Jimboree kid. I don't remember it. I think I was a lot younger. But yeah, my mom said she used to take me to Jimboree regularly. And she said also something that was interesting she mentioned is I guess this was before online signups, which that to me is crazy. Like you have to <laughs> register in advance and like the good time slots would fill up fast. That <laughs> blows my mind because now you register for everything online really early and Allie there was no online I know that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) this was before answering machines you just went out and you came home and there wasn't even an answering machine whoever called you they just called you that's crazy (laughs) 
But it was such a guarantee that you would see another human being somewhat close to your age. That I just remember that, like, I knew that my kids were safe, they were happy, and I could be sitting with other women and moms and not just sort of staring at Barney or whatever, <laughs> which I loved. I did love Barney. But a, a few hours out of the house was just so Jimbery was life-saving for I many know. of us well like i said there was a famine and still is for community and connection if not if anything it's gotten worse yeah um, you know, one, one of the things that you talked about before social media that was very very different then and 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 what you do reflects that is that there weren't the kind of support systems the mentoring networks that exists now for women and that and Joan didn't have any of that and she could speak more to that but like the things that you do with Morph Moms and Founding Moms and all those organizations never existed then and even like you and, and, and thank you Michael for saying that and the truth is even you're finding as much as people listen to your show or go on the website and can talk to people um, privately that isn't even enough they want the cocktail parties nothing replaces the eyeball to eyeball the physical to connection and I'm kind of a sucker for what I call um, low-tech businesses, where we're together personally. We're in community. And I'm telling you, I don't care how cool of an online site there is, nothing's going to ever replace that. I agree. And just walking away, when you go home at night, you've had some interaction with somebody as opposed to shutting your computer off. (laughs) It is. It makes a huge difference. And you miss it. You just miss that connection. Sometimes you don't even realize what it is you're missing until you experience it, I think, right. and you think, that's what... The world has changed a lot. Right. Well, we're meant to... We're meant to... We're physical human beings. We're animals. You know, we're meant to be around other people. And um, that, um, that, that isolation and loneliness... Um, and honestly, when we used to do our focus groups, we would find that, of course, the parents came because they wanted their kids to have a positive social experience. But you know what? The kids were not signing up even pre-online, and they're still <laughs> not signing up even even when they can sign up online. The parents come because it fills them. That's right. Although they do tell great, great, cute stories that I love, which is on off Jimbery days, they would have to take alternate routes because the kids would start jumping up and down <laughs> in the car seats because they would, would think they were going to Jimbery. That's so cute. Isn't that cute? And they'd be very disappointed if they didn't turn into the parking oh. lot. Isn't Let that me the tell you, I think the mothers needed that alternate route also because they were. I was just as excited to get there. Yes, <laughs> were because it filled you. It was. A, it was it just, did. It just filled you. You and I still hear, and I can't get enough of this. Even you know, whatever, 30, 40 years later about people who made lifelong friendships. I agree. And you remember it. You remember those times. And it, it was just a special time and a special thing that you created that helped kids and mother, uh, and parents, right. whoever took the child at the time. Michael and I were recently at this company called Stitch Fix, which is a, you know what Stitch Fix is? It's a very disruptive company about women's um, delivery of, of clothing. And we were speaking to the employees there, and they came up and we were signing books our new book, Play It Forward. And um, and all the young women there were saying, I had my birthday party there. I can't could you sign the book to my mom? Oh. Because they remembered so much how how important um Jimbery was to them. I mean they weren't that they were like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years old. And that meant so much to me. And it was groundbreaking at the time. There was nothing like that. It was such a new thing for us to do and you know and thank you to the media god bless you they s- used to say that that we were um we were the pre preschool phenomenon we were doing to preschool what preschool had done to kindergarten now you might not know this Allie, but <laughs> when you went to kindergarten you know when you went to kindergarten in the 60s 
people hadn't gone to preschool. It wasn't like everybody went to preschool. Mm-hmm. So that was something that had been happening. And so the media was saying that Jimboree was doing what preschool had done before. So now you you would you couldn't walk into a preschool and find someone that didn't have like Kleenex, like a Jimboree type experience. Right. You know, the other thing that was groundbreaking, which doesn't get talked about enough, is that Joan started uh, these, this franchise system which allowed women to own businesses and, and raise families at the same time, sometimes working at home, actually running their franchise business. And at that time, that was, that was totally unknown. It was utterly trailblazing. Yeah. Thank you. And which is so imp- – and another thing for Morphom is it's, it's funny how that many years ago it's so – we're seeking it now this many years later we're still in search of this and how do you do it and how do you how you did this back then is astounding actually well, it's so funny to me because you know how when i said you know you do this organically one step at a time when you're doing it that way you don't think of it as groundbreaking you're just you're just doing it and it's i mean yes i had this this joyful goal of thinking wow these women who came to the classes like yourself kathleen if you had been had that as a passion said i would like to have a center of my own can I open up in the next town? And it was so it wasn't, I didn't think like I had this grand plan. Wow, I'm going to have, you know, I didn't sit in my Harvard Business School class thinking <laughs> I'm going to do this. <laughs> I, I couldn't even go to business school like you went to law school. I would have, couldn't even get in. You know, oh, I trust me, I shouldn't have been in law school. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just back you up there. Uh, I was the worst student. That they regret very much that I ever went there. <laughs> Which reminds me of a story I got to, when I was building Jimboree. I got, I got um, asked to speak to the um, Stanford B School alums, and I stood up at the podium laughing because I thought what am I doing here you know I couldn't even get into the school and if I could I'd flunk out of every class and here I am speaking to them but that I kept thinking you know what though this was new a new entrepreneurial chair they had just endowed and I thought how do you teach entrepreneurialism how do you teach people to be you know to love risk and to go by their gut you know like like Michael had found this research that um, Oprah, Winf- Oprah Winfrey says how am I going to do this right she says her what her, her uh, decision making her GPS is her instincts is her instincts it does feel like that it's funny I'm, and I am in I wish I were close to your league in this, but this when I started Morph Mom and people were very so, some were very encouraging such as my co-host and her mother tonight Lisa and Allie and my friends were said try it try it it's great it's great and some said, this is ridiculous. It's going to fail. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What are you doing? And it's funny. It's that instinctual thing that says, I don't, if I fail, I fail. But I gave it a shot. Right. At least I'm out there trying to give it a shot. And I think that's what you've inspired to all of us as well. That, you know what? You give it a shot. And you keep going. And you keep going. And if something doesn't work, you try a different way. And you know what? I'm really glad you brought that up, Kathleen. Because one of the things that I really encourage women to do is... Don't ask for advice because all you're getting when you're getting when you ask for advice is you're getting somebody else's projection. If they say it's the dumbest thing in the world, that <laughs> means that they're afraid. That doesn't mean you're afraid. It means they're afraid. And we have enough to do to uh, monitor our own our own committee inside of ourselves, finding out all the people who live inside ourselves and find out what their concerns, worries, um, excitement, passions are, and that's enough. <laughs> It's a lot of conversation. That's a lot of conversation to monitor and make those decisions and listen very closely to what they want and to find a way to integrate those voices. And I think that's such an important lesson for Allie. Again, um, my co-host, and for those of you just joining us into Morph Mom Moments tonight, I can't thank you enough. Well, today, this afternoon, for a special time. I'm so thrilled to be sitting here with Michael and Joan, authors of uh, Play It Forward, <laughs> from Jim to the Yoga Mat and beyond. Uh, 
absolutely an astounding, inspiring, and groundbreaking book that has just come out and is available basically everywhere, and it should be because we all need to get this. And I'm sitting here with my co-host, Allie Danini, and her mom tonight, Lisa. And Allie, um, Joan was just saying, and Michael was saying how astounding it was that Joan was able to do this at a time where there was no social media, and it was, you go out there and you you do it on your own. Like, it, it's you're not connecting with people every second because you're really, you're really, you know, starting from zero with not a whole lot of people around you. But I think this is the biggest lesson we have to girl or women your age just coming out of school. And I think, Joan, I would ask you what your advice would be to Allie and Michael as well, what your advice would be to Allie just starting out, just having graduated college and sort of women your age. Like, what is the best piece of advice you could share with Allie? Passion. Make sure what you're doing, you have great passion for. I mean, when we, when we as we listen to Kathleen, she decided she was going to take a risk and do it for passion because there's no such thing as much as society says it's about, you know, pass, fail, success, failure. So we have to redefine those terms because if it's not success on your own terms, it's kind of no success at all. That's a great quote from Anna Quinlan. And so, you know, if we're doing what we love and it's coming out of passion, you know, I like to say the money will follow or it won't. <laughs> but we're doing what we love. And if we quote, if it doesn't work, is it a failure or have we just had a great time and great learning? And if we're awake through it, because to be um, withheld or cautious um, because we're waiting for something that's going to succeed on some other somebody else's standards, um, I, I feel very concerned about a life that looks like that. I, yeah, I, I would add, and it's really not adding, it's just um, spinning it a little bit differently from my perspective, which is when I first started practicing law before I was a writer, um, I couldn't wait to get to the office. I literally couldn't wait to get there and engage with with my colleagues about different ideas and analysis and strategies and just be around all these brilliant people. And when that started to change, when I started to feel, oh, i got to go to work today kind of thing, when that sort of seeped into my – then I knew I was moving out of the profession even though I didn't really know it deep down. Uh, and so, like, now when I get out of bed, I can't wait to put the written word on paper or sometimes take the already existing words off the paper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but, but, but I, it's, it's this compulsion to do. You know, it's the same thing with Joan said, but it's 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 just personalizing it in a way in which you feel really good. You can't you just can't wait to do the things that you've set up in your life. When you when that stops, then you know you not you need to look beyond the horizon a little bit. Yeah. Well said, Allie. Uh, I actually just have a quick question. So I went to public policy school. Oh, I got my master's in public policy. I just graduated, and I was really congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was really interested in education policy and the new thing. And well relatively new thing is focus on early childhood education because that's where a lot of it starts and Jimbery was obviously groundbreaking in that sense and it focused on really young kids and developing them and I was just wondering when you founded it like was that one of your focuses is that something you were aiming for or was it more the star for community and that sort of grew out of it the latter 
The ladder. The ladder. I mean, we called it Play With a Purpose, but we found out because a lot of kids with special needs were being mainstreamed. They would call us and say, this equipment is so fantastic. Can we can we take kids with special needs and mainstream? And, and then, you know, then there was the media was always looking at the dark side. What does Burton White have to say in People with Early? And we found out, I mean, I learned subsequently when I started bringing in people with, you know, um, with... Um, who knew a lot about early childhood education were experts in the field that you know and I've subsequently learned but I'm not I wasn't educated in that that you know the first three years of life are the most critical 50% right. and, f- and then the first year this ki- that kind of thing so you know at um, you know we have subsequently learned what is happening in the Jimbury Center mm-hmm. is so critical right and play is how kids learn and vestibular and all you know and by touch and feel, and it may look like chaos to an untrained eye, but right. kids will gravitate to what they need, and so um, we um, fell into it, so to speak. Right. But um, but also positive affirmation and spending quality time, one-on-one time, not distracted, and you know, holding a tablet in one hand and you know, high-fiving your kid in another hand right. is really not is not really um, going to be helpful to the learning experience. So, no. So, to your question, we we fell into it. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible. It feels like how much stuff has, you know, sprung off of this. So, you have that women are opening their own franchises. You have the early childhood development right. aspect of it. It's just like a lot of things started out of this, and it's really cool to see and hear about. Right. And to sit here with both of you, the, all of you at the table tonight, I, I can't even believe, when, like what Ali just said, what has grown from this is astounding. And my, something Michael just said, too, about how when you kind of know it's time to move on. Yeah. And I think that's what's so different now. Because I remember years and years ago, I never felt that if I stopped loving what I was doing, there was an option to move. It was sort of like, you're in it, you're done, you're not going anywhere else. But I think Joan, and both of you with the book itself, but just and, and Joan's history shows, if nothing else, you do what's right for you when it's right for you. Yeah, I, I, and, and those are, those are rather glib words because so many women we have come in contact with through the book tour and through speaking engagements I've had, and and in all due respect to Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In, you know, there's there's con- there's competing messages out there. You know, sit at the table. You know, and especially for women working in the corporate world, hang in there. You know, we can change the corporation by just staying in there. And we're um, a little bit on the other side of that conversation by, you know, build your own table, you know. Um, and we're, we're encouraging women to make their own world entrepreneurially. I mean, not to say that there aren't wonderful places in a, in a more corporate setting or in a p- public policy setting and that sort of thing. But, um, but yet there are ways to... Um, so many women will be like, I don't know what I would do. How could I do this? There's a, there's a lot of um, inertia, fear. Um, and, you know, in your case, Kathleen, you know, you were propelled into something else. A lot of women, you know, want to do something, but they don't know what they could do, how they could do it. And so um, being able to make that leap from this isn't working, like Michael said, he didn't feel the passion anymore, to actually having the courage to um, step out into the unknown, you know, free fall, you know, kind of a Tom Petty-like moment, (laughs) (laughs) um, is really brave, you know, whether it's at the start of your career like you, or whether it's mid-life or early midlife, you know, they say now a kid coming out of college may have as many as seven or eight different turns in their lifetime. I I, I think it's important, though, to to note that 
And people listening will say, well, easy for you to say. And they're right. It is easy for us to say, hey, I I feel the passion has gone. I'm moving on. Not everyone can just move on. I I just want to – because in my case, again, to personalize it, I knew it was happening, but I didn't have the courage or I felt the financial wherewithal to just stop practicing law and just concentrate on writing and and that ramp up of years, you know, before that that could actually do something for me financially. So it – but the important first step is recognizing in yourself, okay, it's changing for me. And I, I'm, I'm the first one to say it's not so easy to say, okay, I'm out of here. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. And there's no formula. There's no trick. You just, it's, it is, as Joan says, you have to have courage and you have to be you know, somewhat risk adverse and you, and you have to want to just be completely true to yourself. But it takes a while to, get to, to actually make that step and it's not so easy all the time. I think it's a terrifying step to yeah. take. Just anyway, whether or not you're prepared or not prepared, anyway, it's a terrifying step to take. But I think it's a good it, – and sometimes it's like we said, it's not a step that you're able to do financially or whatever it is. But at least it's something to start thinking about. Back then, at least for me – I put all those thoughts out of my head. That wasn't even an option to think that. Right. But, you know, if you're, you're working all day and it's not easy, right? Easier said than done. But if you have that idea in the back of your head and you've got a few extra hours, we never have extra hours. <laughs> if we had 30-hour day, we wouldn't have extra hours. But if it's about writing, if it's about something, at least the example or the ground, it, it's the groundwork has been laid that you can at least dabble in it. So if when you get home from a long day at work, you can't leave your job, but maybe from set aside that half an hour that night to think about those things or to write or to do something that you would be able to do that you normally would not let yourself right. do. So I'm going to segue to, to another topic, if you don't mind, that's something that I know that comes up a lot for women that, that and men too, I'm sure, that that, that when they find that they're, and I, I'm, I'm kind of um, over this word, but I don't know, I don't have a good substitute right now, which is where they feel really out of balance, where they're yeah. giving so much of their life to their profession because it's it's demanding or it's just it's taken it's taken a life of its own it's like a it's like a bad lover you know but <laughs> but but it's but you know there's just a lot of juice in it you know what i mean and it's and it's going to go bad but it's not bad right now you know what i mean and um and so how do we as people pull back from the situation and as like michael said but but you know really we can't we can't just we can't turn a blind eye to it because we're going to lose we're going to lose our job uh, and we're going to um, lose our our financial security and so forth and so on. How do we quote take care of ourselves? And I don't I'm not I'm not proposing I have the formula, but I do hear this a lot where people feel like they're not healthy, you know they're not taking care of their bodies, they're not taking care of their souls, they're not taking good care of their relationships, whether it's their kids, their their f- familial relationships. You know, relationships. I'm going to put it in a big, wide, you know, wide box there. And um, I think that the first step is to just own that, to say something's not right with me, and to start to really speak to yourselves, make make small steps to um, do what feels like a little baby step again to um, work towards something that feels more salubrious, more health-like. And that actually brings us, as for those of you joining tonight, we're here with Michael and Joan, um, who are here with the most their most amazing book that has just been released in the past month, Play It Forward, from Gymboree to Yoga Mat and beyond. And I encourage you again, all of you, to go out and get it immediately. But wait till the end of the show and then go and get it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Michael and Joan, and my co-host, Allie and Lisa, tonight as well. 
Joan, you were just mentioning when something's not right, sort of like the red lights going on. And can you tell us, and we have to talk about the book as well, but when you were doing Gymboree and, and, and it expanded to the clothing store, and I have to interject here for one minute. I am a biggest fashion no-no of the entire world, which went on to my kids as well. And when the Gymboree clothing stores opened and everything was just laid out for you when you walked in and you knew what colors matched and what outfits looked great from head to toe, you were a lifesaver at the time for oh, Gymboree. So I, I very much appreciate that that store. It was it was just my favorite place to go. Oh. Um, but as things went on and things got bigger and things got, you know, maybe bigger than you expected. Can you tell us sort of what happened and how you ended up getting where you are today and with the book and sitting here with us all tonight? Yes, today? I certainly can. Um, so I was, um, and it's a good segue from the earlier, my earlier comment <laughs> because I was dreadfully out of balance and, and I didn't, I didn't um, have Morph Mom or any other support th- situation like Michael was saying. Um, and I take, I take responsibility for that. I just, you know, I was afraid to, um, speak to anybody I didn't want anyone to know for fear that they would say well then you're probably not right to run this company and you know I just was completely fearful and and since everybody thought I had it together I figured well maybe I do maybe everybody feels this way so just just a whole lot of ass backward thinking so um, I was developing an eating disorder when things were going well the eating disorder went went in the back room and and the door was locked and so I thought okay I'm cool but when things weren't going well it became very active until it really really um, got got um, in my way in a big way I became an exercise addict I built an aerobic studio in the Jimbury offices and and lunchtime everybody had to come in there and practice with me and I became a competitive mountain biker I became seriously bulimic and you know and all the while, people say, you look great. You've got such discipline. I'm thinking, yeah, right, you know. Yeah. And so I had, a, I had a terrible crash and burn. But not before I got the company on great, because the retail is how the company, it, the retail was not something that was part of a grand plan, a grandiose plan. The retail came because the franchise system was not going to return um, the kind of investment to the to the venture capitalists that they were looking for, it wasn't Facebook time where you could wait indefinitely for an ROI. Right. They, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> they needed it now. Right. <laughs> so that became sort of the savior for the company. Um, and when you read the book, you'll see there were a lot of fits and starts. There were a lot of other trial and errors and exciting. So it's a bit of a thriller until we get <laughs> we, until we get to the till we get to that thing. And so you know, and when I go away for my thirty day program and don't come back till you know three years later, um, you know, I start to learn how how truly trouble it is when you don't take care of yourself. You know, I mean, I'm in the extreme, but my story is really just the collective story of all of us when we don't take care of itself. This is the extreme version, but everybody's on the continuum, you know. And we do this, you know, we watch ourselves every day. Oh, what happened? I didn't take, I didn't get some sleep. I didn't eat well. I had too much, you know, whatever we do. You know, we all know what we do when we're not taking care of ourselves. We all bust ourselves on some level, right? Right, right. And you know when something's wrong. Like yes. sort of that meter starts to, <laughs> to go down empty and you're like, wait a minute. Right. And some of us, you know, can, can, can you know, put it in the shadow, yeah. but not, not indefinitely. So you said originally thinking it was 30 days and three years later you yes. come back. Yes. And what was it, I, I guess, that, you, that made you feel you were ready to come back? What was it about the experience or what did you learn from being away that said, okay, I'm ready. I'm coming back and... 
Well, I mean, three years. I mean, I thought you know, I thought I was going to go. I thought thirty days would be enough. And then when I realized how my, how pervasive it had been in my life, and all that sort of lined out and and well in the detailed in the book. And then I went to a long term because they said, you know, I thought oh, I'll go for another month. And then it was another month, and then another month, and then another month. And then when I was finally released from the care f- facility, I didn't feel ready. I felt like I was just a little new green shoots of a woman. You know, you didn't get. I didn't get sick overnight, so I wasn't going to get well overnight. Right. And it was develop. You know, it's not like alcoholism. You just plug the jug or something. You had right. to develop a whole new relationship with food. We mm-hmm. have to eat. So I wanted to stay close to the situation where I had, I had gotten well, and I wanted to keep practicing my my wellness, so to speak. And so when I finally came back to California, I was still just sort of test driving my my recovery to see because it became the most important thing to me and people say aren't you proud that you built a public company and all this stuff and I said well I think I'm most proud of my recovery yeah and so um you know I just started to rebuild another life and yoga became part of that life and and that's how come I got into the yoga business but really you know like I'm proposing to all of us is that when we can know what's right for us and have the courage to sort of go into that world with the same respect that Michael, you know, you know, very adequately, you know, you know, you brought up here, you know, with the caveat that we have the possibility to do that, that it doesn't, it doesn't play havoc with the other things that are going on in our life or our financial constraints. And, um, and when I came back, I had the ability to have some time. Jimbree had gone public, so I had a little, had a few nickels in the in the bank, and so I had a little time to think about what was important to me. And so I wanted to just have a little quote Jimbree franchise, but call it yoga, <laughs> <laughs> and have a little yoga business. And that's what happened. And from the yoga business, and for those of you joining us tonight, I'm honored and so excited to be sitting here with Michael and Joan, the authors of the most recent book that's out that you literally have to purchase immediately, Play It Forward, from Jim Marie to the Yoga Mat and Beyond. And um, we've learned about sort of Joan's uh, trajectory and how she got to where she is today. And, and now we're about, to, and you're just in time now to hear how Michael and Joan then started with the book and and tell us now so through jimboree and yoga and recovery and now to getting to the book tell us how that came to be and how you started working together and i'm just fascinated by everything about it well uh, michael had just um had just exited from his law career and was doing more right more and more writing and um i was doing some speaking at entrepreneur conferences and people kept saying when i would tell the story of the eating disorder particularly and they'd be like coming up to me and saying, I have an eating disorder and self-disclosing and so many women. And, um, you know, they just were so happy to be able to um, tell their truth, you know, because so many, so many, so much secrets, secrets around our, what we're not, our shame. Just, just, we are, we're, we, our shame is not something we're proud of. We don't. And I had started a nonprofit called Begin From Within um, for women with food, weight, and body image issues, and and I did it as a nonprofit because I knew it would never go as a business because people weren't going to say, "Hey, you ought to come to <laughs> begin from within." Well, it's not like you know, it's not like Jimboree. It's a great program, you know. Um, they could barely come themselves; right. they'd sign up right. and then never show up and so forth. It's just you know the obvious, and so um, and they'd say, "I want to read your book. I want I want to know more. I want to know how. I want to know just. I want to go delve in." Even I thought, "My book? What book?" 
So I would talk to Michael about it, and he'd say, and I say, you know, but I just I don't think I have it. I'm not a writer, you know. And he and he'd say, well, it, would you like me to help you? And I'd say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> that works. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what do you say? And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. The rest is history. Yeah. yeah. So Michael, when Joan approached you with the book, um, a- and you know, people wanting to delve into Joan's amazing history and really it there's so many things that inspire so many women on so many different levels not just women people in general everything you've gone through the trials the tribulations the great things the high times the bad you know the good times the bad times and that you're so open about it and i think that's the most important part so when joan approached you michael how did you think what was your feeling about this how were you going to approach the book well i should put it in context um it's true that i had at that time retired from the practice of law and I was also a high school basketball coach and I had retired from that too to concentrate on writing because what had happened was that uh, somewhat delusionally I was trying to juggle three careers I was trying to write coach high school basketball and practice law and it was really the end of the day impossible so I finally had the courage and spirit to get rid of two of those and so I had a number of writing projects underway and I was a little ambivalent at first because I knew that um, this project would derail my other stuff. There was just no question about it that I would have to put all those. I've, I've just finished a book on basketball, for example, and I've got three other writing projects that are ongoing and um, two about athletics. And, and one is uh, I might be working with someone on one of their memoirs. But, but I had to derail all that. And so I was a little ambivalent. But I, to tell you the truth... I felt Joan's story was so powerful, and and really from a purist standpoint, I felt that men and women need to read about this, because yes, does it does it appeal to women in the main? Of course it does, but but we have been surprised on our book tour about how many men have been deeply moved by it, you know, because it really challenges everyone to look deeply in, and as Joan likes to say, the lineup with who they are and act in accordance with who they are. And I felt that that message, yes, sure, was the business building exciting. There are huge takeaways about business in there. Was the story was the story about resilience and the, and the eating disorder and the recovery. But it was really a journey about getting in touch with who you are. And I felt that message was worth derailing what I was doing <laughs> and getting it out into the public domain. And that, that was really my decision-making at the time. And how does it work? So when you're co-authoring the book, are were you both writing? I'm just out of curiosity. And Al, if you have any questions, please. Um, but do you co-author or like how did how did it work? Like would would you how do you begin? You, you better ask that <laughs> you better ask that question to each of us separately because <laughs> right. you may not get the same answer. It's usually asked me first, so I, this would be fun to to, to reverse the, reverse the order. Let's let's ask Michael first how it worked. <laughs> well, Tread I think, lightly. I, I, I think I think because we wound up doing it. In terms of writing protocol the way I wanted, I thought it went wonderfully. But <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> uh, but in truth, in truth, it was um, surprisingly, surprisingly seamless. Uh, we had our moments, definitely. And I think from my standpoint, I mean, I had a writing style and, and a writing sort of routine. And Joan has had something that very separate. And we kind of worked that out early on, okay? Um, much to my happiness, of course. <laughs> uh, but... but um, 
you know, because I'm, I was, you know, I was a former attorney, so deadlines are important, you know, and chop, 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 <laughs> and all that stuff. And Joan is a little more sort of unba- un- unbridled, you know, like kind of like you know when they, when you take the bal- the air out of a balloon, how it goes around like that. So, um, but the nice but analogy. but the important thing for me, again, I'm going to personalize it, was how it challenged me um, to accept a different way of writing, to learn a different way of writing. And at the end of the day, and this was, I was going to tell a little story about this in a second, is to try and see the world as Joan experienced it. And that was the beauty of it for me in terms of my own personal writing growth. And I'll tell you a story. So we, did, we, we worked from separate places and we would exchange drafts, you know, track changes the whole bit. It was, it was basically just a you know, back and forth editing each other's stuff. You know, we would, you know, we would, and we would talk a lot about. You know, she would send me over something. I'd say, I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> no. Can we talk about it? You know, so we, we would do some of that. But one time we had a conversation about something. It was, I don't even remember what it was. It was a scene, and I said, I got it, I got it, and I went and started writing it. And this is this is exactly what happened. I had this sort of epiphany moment. I said, Oh my God, I sound just like her. And at that point, I knew, okay, we're in good shape you know, in terms of the writing process. I can now honor her voice. So, I mean, there are there obviously a lot of little dimen- more dimensions there, but that's, that was my experience anyway. Was there ever a point when you were um, writing and one of, ex- one of the experiences that Joan was talking about, like something that she had gone through that touched you personally as well? Great question. And I, and I, have, and I, I have a very specific answer for that. <clears throat> um, I, there are a couple of scenes in the book where when I read them still, I tear up. But the one chapter which really unsettled me emotionally um, and still does to this day was the chapter... We, we, do, we have a separate chapter that's, doted, that's devoted to the treatment center and all the different things that she had to do there to get well. And um, that chapter was really difficult for me to help write, not because it was difficult to find the words but to have turns of phrase that, that captured the moment. But it was difficult to write because I had to get inside of her experience even more so, and that was really hard, really difficult. And and, and the deeper I got into how the, she saw the world during that year in treatment, um, the, I wouldn't say I was traumatized, but I was just blown away by it. And so that that particular chapter was really was emotionally uh, um, difficult for me. I think it's such a gift and that Joan is so selfless to have shared this story. And just from what you just said, how it affected you so deeply. And Allie, you know, women your age as well, that Joan was so brave to share this story and everything about it. Because everybody wants to talk about the great things. Oh, I'm so successful. And oh, this is great and everything is perfect. And it's not. And if someone doesn't open that us to, you know, that world to us, you're never going to know that other people are sharing things that aren't going as well and you're never going to be able to get through them as well but I think what Joan did and what Joan and Michael Joan's story and her gift of sharing it and Joan and Michael bringing that to us in words and sharing that book with us is a gift that we all need to give one another and to ourselves and to realize to let up on ourselves like things aren't always going to go that well and things there are going to be bumps and there are going to be problems and when we see that other people have gone through them and how they got through them and how difficult they were at times and that you can get through them I can't tell you how immeasurable that is to people. You know, um, I don't know. I have this um, this great fantasy about what it was like when, when women sat around the kitchen table, yeah. you know, 
in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, and they did it every day. You know, the, you know, this was one of the gifts of being stay-at-home moms, whatever. And they shared their stories every day, little nuances of how things changed, and, and people cared about the little the little shifts inside their sisters, their their women friends. And then I don't know how many of you have read the Red Tent. Yes, yeah, okay. I love that book. Yes, so it's just you know, and so we joke, and I happen to be Jewish, so you know when that you when you uh, when you're on your cycle, you're. you're the men don't want anything to do with you. So <laughs> yeah. the women would go to the red tent. And we loved going to the red tent because we got to be with the women. And women just loved to be with the women. And then there's, you know, the Chinese do the same thing. You know, they, And so to me, this is a chance for women to find their women's voice. And one of the things that Michael and I are going to be offering is, is like um, book club material for women who want to use Play It Forward as a chance for the women who are reading this together not just so much talk about it the way you would in English class in college right. but the way for them to see who what their story is right so anybody who feels like they want to be part of that they can go to info at joanbarnespeaks.com and just tell us they've bought six books we believe you and we'll send you some materials that's fantastic so info at joanbarnespeaks.com tell us you've got yourself uh, a red tent club, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. We don't have to say it's a book club per se, but you're going to want to investigate with your women's sisterhood who you who you are and what your stories are and where you've come from and where you're headed and what you're passionate about or what you want to be passionate about or what your reinvention is or what's not working for you, any of those kinds of things. Right. And that's really cool because it also builds the community that you had, you know, started with Jamboree. You yes. said you were community starved and then I'm sure you found a community with your yoga practice. Absolutely. I still do. I've already gone to three different yoga studios right here. Wow. <laughs> I'll need to get suggestions from them. <laughs> And then again, with this book, you can still build a community out of having written a book. That's really, really right. Cool. And, but in person, in person, right. it's great right. to do it online. But I still, I still want to be. I still want to feel you. I right. still want to look at your look you in the eye. Absolutely. I've got to tell you something that I'm sitting here watching. And so Joan is speaking with Allie and Michael. But as those of you joining in, or um, hopefully have heard how amazing our guests are tonight, and how amazing this book is. But Allie went to Jimbery when she was young, which is what Joan began. They're now sitting here talking about. Joan's amazing journey and what she shared and how in turn Joan is still giving to Allie and to that age group and it's just each step along the way is immeasurable so I'm actually experiencing something very historical right here which is absolutely amazing that at every generation every level Joan has brought something and given so much to every age group. I don't feel like I'm giving I feel like I'm receiving I mean Michael will tell you every time we go on one of these tours I, I get I get completely elated. I mean, I, it's like I get, it's like I'm on drugs or something. <laughs> Each time I talk to somebody like you and I feel your receptivity and I feel like we're connected for just even a moment, even if signing a book and you tell me just a little bit about what you're up to, I just, it's just, it just thrills me. It's just, it's a circle. It's a circle. Now, I have a question. We only really have two minutes left and I could talk to you guys for hours. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. <laughs> I'm sure if you're like, oh, it's still two minutes. Um, before we go, um, again, I'm sitting here with Joan and Michael. I, I want them to come back every night, <laughs> if possible, um, with their amazing new book that's out everywhere from Amazon. I'm going to let them explain this from Amazon to bookstores to you name it, you can get it. And it's Play It Forward from Jimboree to the Yoga Mat and Beyond. And if you guys just want to explain where people can hear and, and your tour and where how they can get in touch with you and absolutely and how I can't lose touch with you. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to give you some good news in a minute about tomorrow. But oh, anyway. so exciting. <laughs> 
Uh, well, tomorrow night, for anybody who's in the New York area, we're going to be at the 92nd Street Y with a whole group of incredible... Um, is it? No, it's Thursday night, right? Tomorrow night. Is that Thursday night? It's yes. right before the <laughs> it's right right before the Warrior game. Right. <laughs> well, being from San Francisco, we're we're all about having the Warriors wrap this up. <laughs> um, sorry for the Cleveland fans, but that's just how it's going down here. <laughs> but right before the Warrior game, you you won't miss th- you won't miss that game. You can come to the ninety second Street Y at um, at seven o'clock, and if you want to sign up online, we're going to give you a very special code. Put code friend, and you're going to get twenty five percent off the twenty nine dollar price. You will get a book, w- which we'll be signing, and all from our great partners, Juice Beauty, EO, Yoga Works. You'll get a free month of of online classes or in person classes. Um, Michael will be moderating a panel of an Emmy award winning producer. We will have um, uh, bloggers, great bloggers, and um, other mompreneurs there and all kinds of great people myself and it's going to be a great event um you can get in touch with us through www joan barnes b-a-r-n-e-s speaks s-p-e-a-k-s dot com you can buy the book there too it'll be by the book it'll give you all the different outlets you can also then go to info there and find out get your materials for your red tent group (laughs) (laughs) what else I just want to comment about the Y event because that's a special little coming home for me. Uh, Forty years ago, and this is Jim Bree's 40th anniversary, so there's this synchronicity here. Forty years ago, my first after-college job was teaching at a preschool program called Red, Yellow, Blue, and Glue at the 92nd Street Y, wow. which was an art and integrated art and music program for, for three, four, and five-year-olds. And this will be my, I'm coming home really 40 years cool. later to do this panel tomorrow night. So it's going to, and I just want to put a shout out, uh, props out. The founder of that was a woman named Susan Wilmoth, who, who passed away a few years ago, who was, like Joan, a trailblazer. And uh, although she was a phenomenal artist, um, she really saw the beauty of kids learning um, through the medium of art and music about themselves. I, I think we... Oh, I'm so sad to sign off. I can't thank you all enough for coming in tonight. Joan, Michael, my co-host, Allie and Lisa, and my producer, C. Uh, we'll see you all next Thursday night, and go out and get that book immediately. Thank you, Kathy. Good afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye.
On Monday, we have at 6 o'clock, Keeping It Real with Jazzy Joy and Company. At 7 o'clock, we have AC Low Show or Bill Russo Show. At 8 o'clock, we have Johnny Mandolin, and he is the president of City World Radio Network. At 9, we have Janetta's Vendetta with Janetta, Pocket Trumpeter. At 10, we have Garage Mania with Robbie Russell and Nurse Cheryl. On Tuesday, we have DJ John Lombardi. At 8 o'clock, we have Inside New York, New York Tourism with Joe Moriello. At 10 o'clock, we have The Swingers Lifestyle with Jack and Jill. On Wednesday, we have 6 o'clock, Pearls of the Sea with Lisa and C. At 7 o'clock, we have Three Guys from Newark with Bob, Bob, and Paul. At 8 o'clock, we have Frankie Sticks Show. With Frankie Sticks and Chick Chick Chat. At nine, we have Better Days, a positive approach to life with Lynn McNamara. That's on the last Wednesday of each month. At eleven o'clock, we have Down for the Team with Jonah Legacy and his friends. On Thursday, we have Live with the Skies with Sky and Jade. 6 o'clock, we have Live with Roxanne and American Journey. 7, we have Morph Moms with Kathleen Butler-Smith. At 8 o'clock, we have Salon Radio and the International Women's Artist Salon. At 9 o'clock, we have Mia's World with Mia Berman. On Friday, at 7 o'clock, we have a class at Just Stepping Back with John B. We have many shows and many Spots open for new shows. If you would like to be on the City World Radio Network, please email us at cityworldradio at aol.com. And that's cityworldradio at aol.com. Thank you. Peace.